0: And Psalm 51, verse 5, we read, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin that my mother conceived me. And in Romans 5, 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And in verse 18, Therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gifts came upon all men unto justification of life. These and many other passages of Scripture are the basis of the instruction and the catechism of Lord's Day three, a part of Question seven and question eight. Whence then proceeds this depravity of human nature from the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. Hence our nature has become so corrupt that we are all conceived and born in sin.
1: Are we then
0: so corrupt that we are wholly incapable of doing any good and inclined to all wickedness? Indeed we are. Except we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. Thus far, beloved, we discussed Adam in the state of rectitude, his nature, his relation to God, his relation to the world, and his calling. The last time we discussed the fall of Adam and its immediate results. This morning, our attention must be called uh, to uh, that, I would almost say, horrible doctrine, for horrible it is to man And no man will receive that doctrine in its full significance of total depravity. And that is not so bad. That's not the worst of it. Scripture and the confessions teach that this total depravity is not something that rests and that finds its origin in the individual man, but in the race. in the fall and disobedience of Adam and Eve. That is much worse. Will you receive it? You never will. You never will. You will certainly rebel against that doctrine... which is nevertheless the clear and pure doctrine of Scripture, the clear and concise doctrine of our confessions, and which nevertheless squares with all experience and with all reality I say, you will never receive it, but corrupt it, unless you are regenerated by the Spirit of God. And therefore, in this morning hour, I speak to you on a total depravity. its source, its nature, its extent, and its development. You know, beloved, every plagiarism and although not as completely Although he camouflages the doctrine a little, every Armenian denies this doctrine of total depravity, and especially the truth that that total depravity does not rest in the individual man, but in the race. And in Adam, in one that lived at least 6,000 years before we ever lived. Did he want that? The Pelagian says, no. Sin is not in the nature. The nature is not corrupt. Sin is in the act. The act can be performed either as a good act or as an evil act by every man. Every man has a free will so that he can either do good or evil evil but the nature is not corrupt. It's not a question of the nature. Sin is a question of the act. That's Pelagianism. And, beloved, remember, uh, Pelagianism especially accuses reformed truth, a reformed doctrine, and those who teach it, uh, that are the basis of this total depravity, we must necessarily deny the responsibility of man. That's one of the main objections philosophical objections of the Pelagians against the doctrine of total depravity. I say this because you must be, be beware. How is it possible, says the Pelagian, that you make a man totally depraved? That you say of a man that he cannot do any good and that he is inclined to our evil and uh, what is worse, how is it possible when you maintain that that man was born that way, so that he never could do any good? That's Reformed, that's Scripture. That the individual man never was in a condition or in a position to do any good. That's scripture. And that's Reformed too. How is it possible then, says the Belgian, that you can maintain this responsibility? Just remember that. That's important, beloved. According to Reformed truth and according to Scripture, responsibility is, oh yes, also a question of the individual, but it is not, first of all, a question of of the individual. Don't you see that? Do you not see that if you make responsibility rest in its root upon the individual sinner that you accuse God of injustice? Can you not see that, beloved? Don't talk about responsibility unless you see that. Don't you see that? God kills the little babe here that lies on your lap. He does, doesn't he? Why? We accuse God of injustice when that little babe that has no responsibility of guilt at all is killed by God. He does. He does. That's what Scripture teaches here too, beloved, in Romans five. Death Death also was inflicted upon those that did not sin in this after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Don't forget it! That's Pelagianism. How will you answer? How will you answer him? How will you answer that Pelagian? You must. You must have an answer. Otherwise, you certainly will fall uh, in all the superficiality of Pelagianism, because Pelagianism is superficial, it's individualistic. And, beloved, on the other hand, there is also Arminianism. Arminianism is the brother to Pelagianism. Not exactly the same, but just about. Arminianism teaches, oh yes, teaches that man is totally depraved, oh yes, yes, yes. Just like uh, the theory of common grace teaches the same thing, and camouflages the whole business. Arminianism says that, oh yes, you can do no good unless you are regenerated by the Spirit of God. That's Arminianism, oh yes. Sounds very reformed, beloved. But, and that is a very important but, Arminianism teaches that man has nevertheless the light of nature, and that by that light of nature he is responsible, and that he can use that light of nature in such a way that he approves it so that God may give him the grace of regeneration and faith and the rest. Oh yeah, Arminianism is very reformed until you touch that one point. Don't forget. Don't think that you are reformed just because you speak of sovereign grace Don't think you are reformed just because you speak of regeneration as the work of God. Oh no, not necessarily, beloved, that's reformed, but it is not distinctly, distinctively reformed yet. Therefore, the question of the Aminans is whether God will reward those that use the light of nature arrives with grace. Well, it's all grace, but whether God will give grace that depends depends in last analysis on the question: whether you use that light of nature. That's Pelagianism, plagianism, and that is Arminianism. Reformed doctrine, pure Reformed doctrine, beloved leaves the whole thing as far as grace is concerned to God, and leaves man in such a state that it is impossible for him to do any good, and that he does sin, will sin, and can never do anything else but sin. that's informed. He cannot do anything, spiritual, natural, no good, no good before God. Incapable of doing any good and inclined to all evil, that's total depravity. Without apology, without any monkey business. That's reformed. And beloved, that reformed truth continues to say when you ask the question how is it that man is so totally corrupt and depraved that he is incapable of, capable of doing any good? Incapable of using the light of nature, right? Incapable of accepting Christ? Incapable of even willing to accept Christ? Incapable of praying? Incapable of doing any good at all? The answer is, 6,000 years ago that happened. Not now. That's the answer. You didn't do that. No, you didn't. You didn't corrupt the nature. No, you didn't. You couldn't. I didn't. No, I didn't. I couldn't. Adam did. Adam and Eve did. Six thousand years ago. That's scripture. Just exactly that. That's the word of God. Terrible, isn't it? How is it? How is that possible? In the first place, beloved, and that's the emphasis of the Heidelberg Catechism, because the whole human race was created organically in Adam. And after Adam received a wife, and Adam and Eve, our first pair, that's the category, organically. Uh, God did not create all kinds of individual men, as no doubt He did create individual angels, uh, but He created a race, an organism. And that race, that organism, had its beginning in our first band. Adam and Eve, and Adam first of all, bore the whole human nature. There was no other human nature than that which was created in Adam. There never would be any other human nature than that which came out of them. And since Adam and Eve corrupted that human nature, therefore We are all born in sin and iniquity. I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. That is the organic line of the explanation of total depravity. You must remember, beloved, otherwise you'll probably get in trouble, that uh, we must maintain that our nature is born and produced by our parents. We must maintain that. There's difference, as you know, between, as I think you know, different theories as to the origin of the individual soul. Uh, Crass creationism uh, maintains that that the body is produced by the parents, uh, generated by the parents and born of the parents, and that the soul is created in every individual by God. On the other hand, there are those that, that maintain that the entire man is born. That is called Traditionism. And there are even those beloved like Augustine, for instance, the, the well-known old Saint Augustine, Father Augustine, who maintained that the souls were all actually created in Adam. In Adam. We were actually present in Adam when he stretched out his hand to the forbidden fruit. That is called pre existentialism The souls were all created before.
1: We are born.
0: Beloved, I think on the basis of the incarnation of Christ especially, I can maintain that we must not have any of those three theories, but that we must make another distinction. The distinction being that the nature is born of the parents. The nature, by nature I mean soul and body. Soul and body. And that while the nature is born of the parents, God providentially creates. In every individual child, perhaps at conception, or in the development of the nine months before birth, God in- creates in that babe the person. The person is created, the I, the ego, the personal spirit, the nature, soul, and body is born. I say, I base that upon the fact that Christ assumed the human nature from the Virgin Mary, while the person of the Son of God inhabited that human nature. Christ certainly shows very plainly that the distinction of nature and person must be made. And so let us remember that. The parents bring forth the nature, and while the parents bring forth the nature, God in-creates in that nature the person and the ego. And the nature is corrupt. The nature, the human nature, the tree is corrupt. The whole tree is corrupt. And in that nature, in that corrupt nature, we are all born as persons. Every one of us. In that nature, we are born as being corrupt, dead in sin and misery, incapable of doing any good and inclined to all evil. That's the organic life. But you ask the question perhaps, how then can God punish me? How is it possible that God can hold me responsible for the sin that I never committed? For the sin that was Adam's sin, and what a terrible accident it is that Adam sinned and that I was born in sin. Isn't that a terrible accident? Can God hold me really responsible when I'm born in sin so that I can never do any good from my birth on? And the answer is, beloved, certainly, certainly. Just as the Dutch versification of Psalm 51 has it.
1: Het is
0: niet alleen dit kwaad Dat roept om straf. Nee, ik ben in ongerechtigheid geboren. En dat roept ook om straf. Het is not only this, this particular zin that I commit. That demands punishment, David means to say. Uh, But also the fact that I'm born in sin demands punishment. God holds me responsible for the sin in which I'm born. Accept that, beloved? Why is that true? Because, beloved, Adam was not only the father and the bearer of the human race and nature, but he was the head in the judicial sense of the word, the head. The head. Just as Christ is the head of the elect and just as the righteousness of Christ is imputed to all that are in him. So, in the same way, the sin of Adam is imputed to every man as the sin of the head is imputed to those that are in him. That's to radicalize. To radicalize.
1: That is also
0: plainly expressed, beloved. Listen. Therefore, by the offense of one, judgment, not corruption, but judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Understand that? Judgment came upon all men unto condemnation through the sin of Adam. The sin of Adam was imputed to us. And do not say I don't want it. You can't help that anyway. Perhaps no, you don't, I hope. Sin is too real for you, I hope. At least for the regenerated people of God, sin is too real. There are no criticism. They have no criticism of total depravity. They have not. Not people of God. They know too well, in their own nature, that they corrupt. Don't you? You should. They know too well that sin is not an act, but that it is a fundamental corruption. Don't you know that? You do. You have no criticism. But, beloved, neither must you have any criticism on the way God created the human race. Do not say ever, I cannot be and I do not want to be responsible for the sin of Adam because that is rebellion. You are responsible. For the sin of Adam, and God holds you responsible for that sin of Adam. Otherwise there is no salvation in Christ. The one falls with the other, stands or falls with the other. Never say, God had no business creating me in the one man. God had no, had no business to create me in the one head so that I am responsible for the sin of Adam. Beloved, the only answer you receive from Scripture is this,
1: Who art thou,
0: O man, that answers against God? God did it. That's plain from Scripture. God did create you and me in the one man. God did hold, does hold you and me responsible for the sin of Adam. God is right. That's the way it is. That's the truth. Shall we receive it? Total depravity. What a word. What an awful word, it. What an awful condemnation. How can a man ever receive such doctrine? Total depravity. What does it mean? It means, first of all, uh, that in the fall of Adam and Eve, our nature has become so corrupt that the image of God is put into reverse. We must not say simply that the image of God is lost. That's all right. That's true enough. If you mean by that that we do not have the image of God anymore, that is certainly true. God created us in his own image and likeness. And Adam Uh, by his wanton disobedience turned about. If God is not enough, not enough. If I have a hundred dollars in my pocket, beloved, I don't, but if I have, and I lose it, uh, then I have nothing. But then I'm not in debt either, nor can I do anything with that hundred dollars that I lost. Don't you see, where I have a hundred dollars and I lose it, the situation is not so desperate. When a man loses his legs. He cannot walk. That's true enough. But that's not so bad. That's not the way. No, he cannot walk, beloved. He cannot walk in all kinds of ways of corruption either. He simply cannot walk. He lost his name. When a steam engine that runs on the track loses its steam, it stops. It cannot go any further. But it doesn't do any harm either. That is not total depravity. Uh, Total depravity is not a simple loss, it's not a simple lack of something. Total depravity, beloved, is active, it is active. When a steam engine loses its steam, the engine is not active. But a sinner, when he falls into sin and his nature becomes corrupt, he is still active. He's dead, oh yes, but he's actively dead. He's dead and he's active in that death. When a man loses his leg, he cannot kick anybody in the face. But the sinner kicks God in the face. When the steam engine loses its steam, it stops but the sinner does not stop. He runs into destruction. The steam engine derails and runs into destruction. That is the sinner. That's totally perfect. And therefore, we must never say that the sinner is simply lost. The image of God—that's not enough. You know, as soon as you say the sinner lost the image of God, you make room for the theory, for the corrupt theory that was adopted officially in 1924 of common grace. Must not that? That's corruption. Then you say then. They say, oh, the sinner lost the image of God in a wider sense, in a narrower sense, but he retained the image of God in a wider sense. Oh, yeah. And therefore, uh, by a common grace, that sinner that is totally depraved does wonders. Must have that. We must maintain, beloved, the language of the catechism. Total depravity means that we are wholly inclined to all evil and wholly incapable of any good. That's what we must must retain. That's, that's the condition. That's scripture. All I ask that scripture, I don't want to take time because I have no time. But read when you come home how terrible total depravity is in Romans 3. Verses ten, following verses ten to eighteen and nineteen. Read that when you come home. That's totally poverty. Totally poverty means that Adam stood in the state of righteousness, upright. Adam had positively the image of God in him. Adam's nature, beloved, turned in heart and mind and soul and strength to God. With all his inclination. That was the image of God. Adam's nature was motivated by knowledge of God, by righteousness, by holiness. And therefore the whole nature turned in the love of God, to God. Sin does not mean that Adam became neutral. Sin means, beloved, that Adam still is a moral, intellectual, responsible creature before God. Yes, he is. Uh, But sin means that that active, moral, intellectual creature turns in the spiritual, ethical sense of the word right around and now faces the devil. That's sin, that's total depravity. That's all. Adam's knowledge did not become lack of knowledge. It became love of the lie. Adam's righteousness did not become lack of righteousness. It became love of iniquity. Adam's holiness did not become lack of holiness merely, but it became a love of corruption, hatred of God, and of one another. That's totally private. That is what we are by nature. And that is what the whole human race is what the whole human race has ever been since the fall of Adam in that nature we are born shaped in in iniquity corrupt hating God and hating one another you say perhaps oh it doesn't look that way though does it doesn't look that way Aren't there many noble deeds that the theory of common grace has? When your car is in the ditch, will not your neighbor help you out? When your child is sick, will not the hospital receive it? when you have a funeral, do not your neighbors come to sympathize with you? Is that good? As my lawyer said in court in 1924, if I, there's a man with a broken leg in the gutter and I help him, is that not good? I counter-questioned at the time and asked, are you regenerated? If you're not, makes no difference what you do, you sin. Can not you understand that, beloved? Oh, the natural man knows what is good for himself. He knows that. He knows that he mustn't sin too much. He knows that it is no good to, to corrupt business, to lie too much. He knows that it is not good to have too much divorce, and too much adultery, and too much thievery, and too much war. He knows all that, and he tries to keep within bounds. But, beloved, What would you think of a superintendent that was very good to his men and that did very good work in the shop, in the factory, but who chased the proprietor out and proposed to work for himself in the factory of the proprietor? That's what the sinner does. He chases God out. Out of God's factory. Out of God's creation. Out of God's sunshine. Out of God's rain. Out of God's gifts and out of God's talents. He meets God everywhere in a way and he does not want to glorify him. He does not want to work in his own shop for his own proprietor. He does not say thank you. He does not say good morning. He hates God and it chases him out of God's own factory. Oh, he may uh, be very nice to his fellow workers, to workers under him, but he's corrupt he is corrupt corrupt and not only that but the fact that he chases God out of the factory beloved also has its repercussions on his relation to man he may try to do to keep it on the boundary of the law but he cannot he cannot He steals. He commits adultery. He corrupts marriage. He fights. He murders. He wars. And leads himself and the whole world to destruction. That is man. And beloved, oh I have no more time, but one more remark. One or two. That corruption is not checked, is not restrained. There is no restraint of, or check of sin, although there is not only a check, but a guidance of the sinner in the way in which God wants him to go. Oh, yeah. Even the sinner cannot do as he pleases. God holds the reins, even of the devil and of the sinner. But there is no there is no restraint of sin. Sin develops, develops organically. Adam could not sin very much yet. That's very plain, isn't it? He couldn't commit adultery. Unless he committed adultery with his own wife, that's impossible. He couldn't steal, there was nothing to steal. He couldn't declare war, there was nothing to fight about. Adam stood there totally depraved, totally depraved, inclined to all evil, incapable of doing any good, oh yes, but he couldn't, he couldn't develop that sin yet. But when that race develops, beloved, develops, then one commits this sin, the other commits that sin. All are equally depraved, but all do not commit the same sin. Some cannot commit adultery, some cannot see blood, some do not care to steal, and so on and so forth. Others steal, others commit adultery, others... All oh, others uh, have false witness against the neighbor and so on and so forth. Others commit idolatry. But, beloved, sin organically develops. That's why you read in Scripture that it shall be more tolerable for Capenium and Bethsaida than for Sodom and Gomorrah. And it shall be more tolerable undoubtedly In the day of judgment for Jerusalem than for Rome. And it shall be more tolerable for the Anti-, for Jerusalem and for Sodom and Gomorrah than for the Antichrist in the last time. Organic development until the whole measure of iniquity
1: determined
0: by God in His castle He's failed. And God is justified when he judges. Dark, isn't it? Hopeless, isn't it? It is. It is. Absolutely hopeless as far as you and I are concerned. That's just what it is. Just exactly that. There's only one hope. Grace. Grace. There's only one way out. Christ. There's only one necessary work that must be performed in us. And that is performed in us unconditionally, in God's own elect. That is the work of regeneration. Totally depraved. Incapable of doing any good. Inclined to all evil. So that you cannot do nothing. So that you cannot pray and look for salvation. I want to desire Christ. You don't even want to go to heaven. Unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. That's gospel. The only gospel. This is my comfort. This is my only comfort in life and at death. That I'm not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. You are, aren't you? You do, don't you? That's your confession, is it? That, beloved, is the confession of the church whither children. Amen. Apply, O God, thy gospel unto us, the gospel of light in the midst of that terrible, terrible darkness of sin and death and corruption, and give us grace to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for thy name's sake. Amen. Amen.